You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we are live. And we are live, ladies and gentlemen, after a New York Giants victory to ascend to 7-2, and two, a 24-16 victory over the Houston Texans. And I got to say, Chris, it wasn't necessarily a victory where the Giants came out and they dominated. They didn't come out of this game and say, win the football game with a bunch of adjustments during the bye week. They didn't develop a traditional passing attack. It was more of the same of what we've seen, an opportunistic defense that forced turnovers, the Dane Belton interception, the Damian Pierce fumble, and then on offense, everything runs through 26. Everything runs through 2-6. The passing attack runs through it, even though he only had one tart or one reception, I believe, in this game. Still, that play-action passing attack was a vital, vital piece of what Mike Kafka wanted to do against Houston. Yeah, you mean 36, because that's the number of times he touched the ball today. (laughs) I mean, man, just wow. Yeah, I think we know who the Giants are at this point. The Giants are who the Giants are. They want to run the ball. They're going to throw a whole bunch of different uh, running plays, running schemes. They're going to have a very diverse rushing attack in the first half. They're going to probe your defense, find out what works, what doesn't. They're going... They're going to deliver hits to your defense and wear them down. And then they're just going to win with the run in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they're going to throw the ball off of the run. Use a lot of play action, you know, play action boot. Uh, We saw some more traditional play action shots down the field, but they want to use the run to really manipulate the defense to the benefit of the passing attack. Saquon Barkley essentially shattered his carry. I think it was like 31 or 32 coming into this game. He had 35 in this game and he beat it, I think, at the end of the third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter, 35 carries for 152 yards with the touchdown with a long of 27 yards. And it seemed like in the second half, it was just he was rattling off, you know, nine, eight. And it was like, oh, geez, he he has the Texans on their heels at this point. And other than that, I mean, the leading receivers on the team were Tanner Hudson with three receptions and Darius Slayton with three receptions. It's just Darius Slayton's three receptions ended up going for 95 yards because rookie safety Jalen Petrie out of Baylor really just had an inexcusable missed tackle on Darius Slayton. And Darius Slayton made him pay for a 54-yard touchdown reception. But Daniel Jones still sub-200 yards with 197 passing yards. Yeah, that that missed tackle, tackle got Petrie benched. And I do not blame Lovey Smith one little bit. You know, Petrie got back in the game later, but... Man, I would have I would have criticized Lovey Smith for not benching Petrie after he just whiffed a tackle on a receiver who wasn't moving. Yeah, Darius Slayton had to stop and corral that pass like he was hauling in a punt, and Jalen Petrie missed the tackle. That is, like you said, utterly inexcusable. And man, that, what a play for the Giants, Chris! What do you think? 
the offensive approach was what it was. A lot of people expected more passing with Kenny Galladay coming back, and maybe we can get into Kenny Galladay a little bit later. Two targets in this game, two drops, just... You couldn't I have think we have, to, we have to talk about him at least a little bit. Uh, yeah, no. But what do you think? Do you think this says anything about the Giants? Maybe lack of trust in the passing attack? Or was this just a game plan specific? Because Houston is by far the worst in the league in terms of surrendering rushing yards on the ground. But we know throughout the first half of the season, we haven't really seen a traditional passing attack from this New York Giants offense. What do you think that means? Um... I think yes. The answer is yes. I think this is who the Giants want to be. These are the plays where Daniel Jones is at his best when he is running that play action boot, using his athleticism, escape. Well, I don't want to say escape, escaping the pocket, but working outside of the pocket away from any pressure that could get to him and stressing the defense and manipulating the offense with that play action. You know, it really cuts down on the amount of processing he has to do and, it really draws the defense out of position, helps out the Giants wide receivers because they do need the help. I, I'm higher on them than I think a lot of uh, a lot of the Giants media is, but I s- still have no illusions about who they are as a group. They need all the help they can get. But then also, the Texans do have a good young cornerback in Derek Stingley, and they have a bad run defense. So it, it really makes sense for the Giants to play to their strengths in this game. And the Giants are coming off of a bye, so Saquon Barkley is going to be refreshed. And it also seemed like the New York Giants wanted to spell Barkley on some certain third downs where we saw a lot more Matt Breida than we did Saquon Barkley earlier in the game on third down. And in terms of those receiving core that you were kind of mentioning, Chris, new name, Isaiah Hodgins came in here and had two catches for 41 yards on two targets. One was that really big post route that was kind of wide open off of a clear out. So I kind of liked what I saw from Hodgins. He's a big body who knows this offense, who's a smart route runner. And it was just good to see another, I guess you could say, successful pickup contribute to this win because 41 yards in this passing offense is actually something special. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) 41 yards plus that Darius Slayton 54 yards that's you know that 95 yards of offense right there that's yes that is math that is almost half of the Giants passing offense right there so that is a good game for the new pickup and yeah I would say he's a useful pickup which is what Joe Shane has been doing with a lot of these uh bargain basement scratch and dent bin type pickups where he's getting guys that are under the radar, but they're coming in and really producing. They might not be super exciting. You know, it might not be like getting Jerry Judy who, you know, suffered an ankle injury today, but it's guys who are useful for this offense within the context of this offense. Exactly. And Lawrence Cager is one of those guys, right? I mean, that was a great way to cap off the opening drive for the New York Giants, and they also capped off their opening drive in the second half with the Saquon Barkley touchdown. But Lawrence Cager just used his athletic ability. He moves differently than other tight ends. He's obviously a wide receiver convert. That's what he looks like out there. And I like the fact that they got him involved, just little simple play action slide, slide him into the flat, easy touchdown. He only ends with the two catches, but still that touchdown – we saw it last week, right, with the or two weeks ago against Seattle with the fake screen to Barkley at the number two spot, or actually it was the number one. Lawrence Cager motioned as, to the number two, ran the fade. They had design plays drawn up for Cager, as they have in the past for Daniel Bellinger. So it's a big part of what Mike Kafka wants to do. And Lawrence Cager, you know, might be this sneaky type of red zone weapon until Daniel Bellinger comes back. And even after Daniel Bellinger does come back, those two could form a pretty 
fun duo at tight end in terms of receiving. I haven't really seen much from Cager as a blocker quite yet. Well, we, we saw him get really just shoved back and used to make a tackle in the Giants backfield. So <laughs> I, I feel like Cager is what the Giants might have had with Evan Ingram if they had been able to keep him around. And we do know Mike Kafka knows how to use an athletic tight end down the field as a receiver. Yeah, I, I really like using his athleticism, his background as a receiver, and putting that in a play we have seen the Giants use time and time and time and time again to great effect with that layered concept play-action rollout. Again, the, everything in the Giants' passing offense is built off of that play-action. Everything is. And like I said, everything is built around Saquon Barkley. That's this Giants offense right now. Hopefully we start to see a little bit more of an evolution as the season progresses and and the run starts to get shut down, which wasn't going to happen against Houston. And it might not happen against Detroit because they're not that great of a run defense either. But we'll have to wait and see. But before we transition to the defense, Chris, what's going on with Kenny Galladay, man? Like, like we were ready as Giants Nation, as people who cover the Giants, Giants fans, to just wipe the proverbial slates clean for this $72 million receiver who has had such an ugly start here in New York. He comes out, coming out, being injured, comes back. What does he do? He drops the first two passes, and then we just don't see him again in terms of uh, being targeted on the football field. Yeah, right now, Kenny Galladay is best used as a screen. Like He is best used on wide receiver screen, play, screen passes or downfield in rub routes where he just uses his big body to be in the way, which is a thing that Cager and Hodges can do just as well as him. Yeah. I, I don't put all of the first drop on Galladay. That ball was right at the limits of his catch yes. radius. He was yeah, maybe if he left, he was able to leap and lay out and fully extend. He might've been able to make a better play on the ball, but he was expecting the ball to get get him in stride. So that's just a very difficult catch to make. Yeah, the placement on that pass was really not ideal. <laughs> no, that wasn't – yeah, that wasn't good placement. <laughs> and uh, the other one, though, was inexcusable. Yeah, the other one that was – yeah. yeah, that that was just unforgivable. <laughs> right, right there for Kenny Galladay in stride. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— 
but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What did you think of Wandale Robinson's turnaround? And and I think he only ended up losing like five yards on that play. But damn, I was like, what are you doing when he was doing it? <laughs> yes, that was, that was a rookie moment. Yeah, fortunately, it wasn't a rookie moment like the Texans had rookie moments with Damian Pierce coughing the ball up, Kenyon Green hat, wiping out a touchdown with a holding penalty, uh, Jalen Petrie with the missed tackle. But that was definitely a rookie moment by Wandale Robinson where he just wanted, he was excited. He wanted to make something happen. And, you know, he's there, he's watching Saquon Barkley out-athlete the entire defense and make guys miss in the backfield. And, you know, this time the Texans just, they just rallied to the ball and he, there was nothing there for him. And he just kind of made things worse. (laughs) New York Giants love themselves on offense. Eight offensive linemen, though, too, Chris. Oh, how, how was it to see Matt Pear and Nick Gates out there? We started <laughs> seeing all the old names, man. It was like a reunion out there. Love seeing big guys as fullback. But, you know, that's consistent with what we've seen the last two weeks against Seattle. They used Nick Gates a lot. They used Devery Hamilton in the past as the big offensive lineman and Tyree Phillips when Evan Neal was healthy. So I'm guessing something that Jason Garrett used quite a bit last year was that big offensive lineman package. I guess it's something that we can expect going forward. Would you agree? Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And I I like it as much as the Giants want to run the football, having those extra bodies out there, having an industrial sized fullback like Nick Gates or (laughs) Devery Hamilton or, you know, whoever they put back there. I, I honestly, at this point, wouldn't be surprised to see them put Dexter Lawrence back there like the fridge at fullback. (laughs) Absolutely, man. That would be uh, something special. Speaking but of, you know what we didn't said? say. No, I'm, I'm not ready to transition just yet. But you know, what we didn't say. What's that? We didn't see the read option. We didn't see the wildcat back there. I was kind of expecting that with how much the Texans were keying on Saquon Barkley. I was expecting the Giants to have a design quarterback run or a read option play. They really didn't use those mesh points the way they had previously. So I, I don't know if maybe they're trying to lessen the wear and tear on Daniel Jones, but to me, that was kind of conspicuous in his absence. I think that's a really good observation by you. And I was thinking as well, we just didn't really see Daniel Jones used on designed runs coming out of a bye week against a team that allows so many rushing yards. I was expecting a little bit more, but he only had five carries for 24 yards. And a lot of those were just on him, like scrambling. I think the 11 yard pickup just when nothing was there, but to transition to the defense, cause you brought up Dexter Lawrence before man, dude, this guy coming out of the bye week he was an 
absolute problem for the interior offensive line of the Houston Texans. And I felt like the Giants overall got some pretty good pressure on Davis Mills. Yeah, they, they did. E- even when he got a couple forward passes that didn't go very far forward. I mean, the one where he he just kind of flipped the ball underhanded as he was getting sacked. And somehow that was just, went just far enough forward to not count as a fumble. Yeah, that... I think I would credit the Giants with two more sacks than whatever their final total was on this game. And their defensive line as a whole played very well, I thought. And Dexter Lawrence, you know, we know the Giants talked to Saquon Barkley about a contract extension. The Ian Rapport, Mike Garofolo, their sources have said that they also talked to Julian Love about a contract extension. Even though the Giants picked up Dexter Lawrence's fifth-year option, they should just extend him. As soon as the season ends, just get him a contract extension, lock him up for another four to five years, you know, what, whatever he will sign at this point. Yeah, Dexter Lawrence is a true difference maker at the defensive line spot, and I think he's knocking on the door to be considered a a top five interior defensive lineman, which is a pretty exclusive group. When you look around the NFL, there's a lot of really talented interior defensive linemen, but Dexter Lawrence was playing phenomenal, and I thought Leonard Williams built on his really impressive performance against the Seattle Seahawks two weeks ago. He was really good against Seattle. And in this game, he was getting pressures. I think he had a half sack with Dexter Lawrence. And then against the run, there were several times where Damian Pierce, it looked like he had this hole. And all I saw was Big 99 just gollop this dude up and just bring him to the deck. Yeah, I got to say, Damian Pierce was impressive today. I like that guy in Florida. It is an indictment of the the previous Florida coaching staff that they didn't use him more. And I would absolutely endorse Damian Pierce as offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Sorry, Wandale, (laughs) but (laughs) the play the giants had against Damian Pierce, especially in the second half when Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams really started to assert themselves in the running game was impressive because once Damian Pierce gets going, he is tough to stop. He is always the low man. He has great balance, great strength, and he's pretty quick too. Now, he doesn't have the same kind of breakaway speed as Saquon Barkley. He needs a little bit to get going, and the Giants didn't give him that little bit. He's just so physical, though, too, man. Like yes. He's a, one of those guys where, like, in a phone booth, if you're an alley defender, I would not want to get in his way because he can lower his shoulder and make you look really silly. But speaking of somebody who played alley defender a little bit in this game, Dane Belton comes away with his first interception. We've said on previous podcasts how this guy is he's a, he's a ball hawk. He, he's really good, especially in those zone type of coverages, those underneath zone coverages. But on this one, I think it was single high man coverage. I don't have the... The, the tape in front of me or anything, but he was coming from, it looked like the single high position and just kind of met the receiver along with the cornerback near the pylon and came away with his first career interception. He looked pretty solid from what I could tell, but we'll be able to really get a, a good sense after we watch the all 22. Yeah. I, I, it was kind of an up and down game. I thought for Belton, but when he was up, when he made good plays, they were great plays like that interception you know, really taking advantage of the Kenyon Green penalty, that holding penalty, which was, again, like a lot of penalties that have benefited the Giants, that was a massive difference-making penalty and also very obvious. Like, th- that wasn't a a case of a ticky-tack penalty. It, that was a bad rookie mistake by Kenyon Green, which 
granted, he was going against some pretty darn good defensive tackles today. But to have Belton out there, he's he used good range to get in position and then just read that route really perfectly. Yeah, Mills still went north of 300 yards. He went for 319, 22 of 37 with that touchdown and the interception to Dane Belton. But he was sacked four times for a loss of 33 yards. And as Chris said a little bit earlier, it could have been even worse than that. That incomplete pass that looked like it could have been a fumble. I actually thought it was an incomplete pass. But Jalen Smith, credit to him, man, because he fell in the Damian Pierce fumble and he ends up falling on that one that ends up being an incomplete pass. So he's got a nose for the football. And I think another big defensive adjustment that we should bring up other than the loss of Xavier McKinney was Tay Crowder was not out there nearly as much. It was a lot more Micah McFadden and Jalen Smith. And that looks like it could be something that we see going forward. Micah McFadden was this close from making it two rookies on the New York Giants coming away with an interception, but he ends up just kind of volleyballing it up to, I think it was like Nico Collins or Chris yeah. Moore ended up catching the football. But I think that was Collins. And again, that, that was a great play by Collins too. I thought Davis Mills was throwing the ball to Micah McFadden, because he he looked like a wide receiver out there extending for the pass. <laughs> and he read it well, too. That's the thing I think I liked about it. He was reading Davis Mills because it was zone, and he sank to the depth to eliminate that throwing window, and he actually got his hands on it. He's just, he just couldn't jump. He just couldn't jump high enough to really uh, haul it in there. So good good overall performance, I felt like, by the rookies on defense for the New York Giants. Kayvon Thibodeau also had the pressure to start the game. Didn't see too much of him down the stretch, though. No, I I'm going to be writing about this actually before we started recording and I'll finish it up after we, or after we get done our broadcast, I think you saw the difference in the two teams, coaching staffs in how the young guys, how the, how the rookies for both teams played. You know, we talked about the mistakes that the Texans rookies made, but we also have the great plays that the giants rookies have made and all of their guys who have been on the team for about five minutes have stepped up to make. And I, I've said, I really like, I respect Lovey Smith. I thought the bears did him dirty when they fired him after a 10 win season. And I really respect as a beard haver speaking to a beard haver, Lovey Smith's beard as an excellent beard, but the way the Texans rookies are not executing and the way the giants largely this season are out executing everyone they come up against is really a testament to Brian Dayball and his staff. Yeah, the Giants coaching staff is is doing a great job. Look, I think we all wanted to see the offense be more prolific in terms of traditional passing, but you're playing against a team, like we said earlier at the top of the episode, who is absolutely terrible in terms of defending the run. You have Saquon Barkley. So I'm not surprised they came out and actually ended up running the football like they did. And uh, we have a question from Paul. Guys, question. What is actually up with Kenny Galladay? How is it possible he's this bad? Maybe he needs a therapist, not a new hip. Well, I, I can't speak to that, Paul, exactly as to why he's so bad. But you know what, man? It, it's been reoccurring at this point, to, to say the least, that he gets these opportunities. He comes in, and then he just can't hang on to the football. And on this offense, there's not really a receiver where you're going to see like, you know, 10 targets a game. It's not really built in that way, especially when you're giving Saquon Barkley 35 freaking carries. So <laughs> anytime you have a target, you got to catch the damn target. And Kenny Galladay just, he, he has been widely disappointing. And it also sounds like Harley agrees. Yes. Harley definitely agrees with that. And I'm not sure what's going on out there. Somebody might be going out, going past it's Sunday. So probably not FedEx or UPS, <laughs> at least not for another well, two weeks or so when they those guys start 
having to deliver 20 hours a day. But yeah, it, it's really mystifying what happened with what has happened with Galladay, how he has gone. He has just fallen off a cliff really over the last three seasons. And maybe the injuries really have caught up to him. Yeah. He is just not able to move and play like he was earlier in his career. Maybe it is in his head and getting with a good sports psychologist would help him out. But I am honestly curious as to how much we see of him over the remainder of the year. I think we'll see him next week because the lions can put up points. Their defense is bad, bad, but they can put up points. So the Giants might have to throw the ball next week. And that might make for more opportunities for Galladay. If he doesn't show up then, I'm not sure how much more we see of him. Which is crazy because look at the state of the New York Giants wide receiver core right now. But that's just the state of everything. Hey, Chris, anything else on this New York Giants victory over the Houston Texans 24 to 16? You know, I'm just really looking forward to getting to the all 22 tape whenever the NFL deigns to let us have that. I don't know why they don't just release it immediately. I I think they could make a hell of a lot more money if they had their own streaming streaming service. Just release the all 22 as the game is played. That would be great. I would sign up for that. I would give them much monies. Much monies. Thank you, everybody, though, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please like, subscribe comment on the podcast and also check out our youtube subscribe there if you're already there that would be lovely go check out our website as well at bigblueview.com it's all of our written content thank you everybody giants get this win let's continue the path towards victory seven and two new york giants ladies and gentlemen take care everyone support for this show comes from fundrise buy low sell high it's easy to say hard to do for example high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.